Let's pray one more time. Father God, I, th I thank you that I cannot aggravate you by coming to you over and over and over again. That you want to hear, hear us talk to you. Hear us praise your name. And we acknowledge, Lord, that we can never give you so much praise that we've overdone it. For your glory is eternal. Your holiness is infinite. We praise you, Lord, this morning for your word given to us. Pray that it would take root in our lives. And we pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. The world is filled with all kinds of people, isn't it? No two are exactly alike. Even if you look up at a pair of identical twins, you'll find some little differences, even if it comes down to just their personality, who they are. They're totally, they, they can be totally different. And here in America, we are the ultimate melting pot of people, aren't we? If we just look around this room, I mean, how many of us are of African-American descent? How many of us are of Polish descent? How many of us have Native American in us? Choctaw, Iroquois, Cherokee, whatever. We've all got different mixes in us, don't we? We have people who speak Spanish, Chinese, Swahili, on and on and on. There are people who are culturally Jewish, Catholic, Islamic. There are intelligent people in this world. There are less intelligent people in this world. There are people who think they are intelligent. There's all kinds of people around us. They dress differently. Some wear long ties. Some wear bow ties. Some don't know which they're going to wear week to week. Some wear Hawaiian shirts. I almost did that today. They eat differently. They think in a culturally different way. They sin differently. Some are ready to receive the word and some are not. But I, I guarantee you, all of these people all of them need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because God desires all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth according to his word. The church is designed by God to be made of many different people from every nation, tribe, and tongue, isn't it? As we take the gospel from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria, from Alden to Philly to Pennsylvania to America to the end of the earth, Revelation 5, 9 through 10, in heaven they sing this song to Jesus. They say, worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God. From every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. This is what Christ did for us when he died for us, when he was raised again. He, he built this body out of this mixed bag as, as people come to an understanding of who he is and accept him as their savior. All of them. Uh, the, the Mormons, the Muslims, the Hindus, the atheists, all, whatever and wherever, they are all people. They are all human beings, knit together by God in their mother's wombs. 
And as such, they are created in the image of God. And because of their creator, they have value. They have an immense value in his eyes, and therefore, they should have an immense value in our own eyes. The ones we curse so quickly because they cut us off on the road. We need to see them the same way that God does. For their creator is our creator. The God who knit them together knit us together. We did nothing in our own lives to deserve the grace and the mercy of God in his son Jesus Christ, have we? But for the grace of God, we would be exactly where the unbeliever is. How will these people come to know, come to learn about and accept Jesus Christ as their Savior unless they hear about it from us? Unless they hear the truth from those who know it? And how will they know it to be true unless they see it in us? We need to be people who will be those who speak the truth to all people. Those who speak the truth to all people. And at the same time, are a people who are approachable. That people feel they can go to. And a people whose actions match their words. Go ahead and open your Bibles up to Acts chapter 13. Starting at verse 4. Let's stand up for the reading of God's word. Starting at verse 4. So... Being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had John to assist them. When they had gone through the whole island, as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence, who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elymas the magician, for that is the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy. Will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. Immediately mist and darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. The procon- then the proconsul believed when he saw what had occurred. For he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. The reading of God's word. Thank you very much. Go ahead and have a seat. In our passage today, we see Paul and Barnabas, with John's assistance, sharing the gospel message with everybody they come across on that island of Cyprus. From Salamis all over as far as Paphos, right? Anywhere that there was an open door, any synagogue they could go into, they were preaching the word, the truth of Jesus Christ to the Jews who were there in the synagogues, to a Jew who pretended to be a Jew, 
as he squandered the law of God as a magician and a false prophet. They shared with a Gentile proconsul who would have been the epitome of Jewish oppression. Who is it in this world that you see culturally as the enemy of our nation? That's the one that they went to. They shared the gospel message at every opportunity with anyone because everyone needs the gospel. See, God is bigger than these cultural lines that we draw on this earth because God knit together every man and every man belongs to him. Every bit of land belongs to him. And the end of the earth in in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 is not the ground we stand on, it's the people who God created. See, they, they shared the gospel with everybody they ran into in both opportunity and in opposition, speaking the truth to all people, having an answer for everyone who asked. Sometimes having an answer is easy, and, and sometimes it can be more challenging and difficult. Sergius Pallas was an intelligent man, wasn't he? That's what it says. One who sought to hear the word of God. One who was interested in the things of God. And these are the fun people to share with, right? We want to share with those who want to hear the word. He wanted to know the truth of the gospel, and Paul and Barnabas were ready to give him an answer. It's a great opportunity. But it's not always as easy as you think, is it? It's not as easy as it sounds. Can can you give the gospel message to your neighbor today, if your neighbor should ask you, so why do you go to church? What is the gospel? 30 seconds, go. Uh, mm, uh, right? Some of us are, are rattling it off, but it, for some of us, it's like <gasps> stump time, right? We know it in our hearts. We know it in our minds. We've accepted Jesus Christ, but can we vocalize that for someone else's sake? Out loud. It's, it's simply different thinking it in our minds to ourselves and knowing it in our hearts and actually trying to say it to someone else. And it takes practice. It really does take practice to get that gospel out. We've got to say it over and over and over again out loud so that when somebody asks, we are ready. God's word calls us to be practiced, doesn't it? To be ready with an answer when we are asked. 1 Peter 3.15 In your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. So are you prepared for the day when God provides that opportunity for you to share the gospel with somebody who's really ready to hear it? When that, when that easy opportunity comes, are we going to be there? But not everybody is a Sergius Paulus, are they? Not everybody wants to know. Sometimes, uh, as we share, we receive more opposition than we want in our opportunities. As some people have, have come through life with so much pain and so much sin and so much garbage in their life, they just shun everything having to do with Jesus Christ, and they want nothing to do with him. And Elemas was opposition. 
Sometimes giving someone an answer, being ready to present a defense, speaking the truth without backing down, it means speaking the truth even when it isn't pretty. We need to be ready to speak the truth even when it means confronting sin. Even when it means confronting someone's past. Verse 10. Well, verse 9. Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, You son of the devil! Those are not the kind, gentle words we typically want to speak, right? You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? Wow. Paul was ready. And he spoke the truth, as it is when it was necessary. We should not quietly allow someone to to take the truth of the gospel that we try and plant in people's lives and and allow them to just step on it and back off and go, okay, well, I guess that's how you feel. And Sometimes there comes a time when we are called to confront because we are not called to lovingly submit to the world. We lovingly submit to God, but not to the world. And when the world stands in the way of the gospel, we are called to confront the world for what it is. Because when we lovingly submit to the world, that's not love at all. Believe me, I know what it feels like to have the fear of man creep up inside. And and you just want to back down and you don't want to step up and speak out. It's normal to feel that way. But we are called to be different. We are called to stand up for the truth of Jesus Christ and speak it in opportunity and opposition. In order for the truth of Jesus, think about this for, to, to your own self, in order for the truth of Jesus to have taken root in any of our lives, you as an individual, first we had to let the gospel of Jesus confront the sinfulness in our own hearts, didn't we? The gospel has to confront sin if we're going to recognize it for the truth that it is. No one can understand the good news of the gospel uh, until they realize that they need to be saved from something. And that something is the sin that resides in their own hearts. Paul said what needed to be said for the sake of both Elymas and Sergius Paulus. that That both of them would be able to discern the truth from a lie. To do this, he confronted the sin in Elymas' life so that he might have an opportunity for salvation. We just heard in the evangelism class in in the electives on Sunday nights, Joe McEnany did a great job, and he reminded us to give grace to the humble and law to the proud. 
If we want people to hear the truth of the gospel, we need to begin by discerning where they are, where they are coming from. Are they coming from a place of humility where they've already been broken and they're ready to hear that good news? Or are they coming up from a place of pride like Elmas, trying to block the gospel, where they need to be confronted by the law of God and the truth? Sometimes we need to speak words of grace because they're broken. Sometimes we need to break through their pride and speak directly to their hearts, getting to their conscience from what we know of God's word. Paul didn't curse Elymas because he was mean to Paul, did he? But because Elymas stood in the way of the gospel. Verse 8, But Elymas the magician for that is the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Filled with the Holy Spirit and standing on the truth of God's word, Paul had a strength to continue on in the face of the opposition, speaking the truth to all men in season and out of season, because Paul's primary concern was not himself. That's where the fear of man starts to creep up in us, isn't it? Where we fear for ourselves, how I'm going to feel, what they're going to say to me. But Paul's primary concern was not himself, but that everyone would have the opportunity to hear that gospel message. When we make the gospel our primary concern instead of myself, we will have the strength to say what needs to be said. We will have the strength to continue on. We will lovingly and graciously speak the truth with boldness. Paul was in all reality being more loving to Elymas than anyone else before in his life because Paul was willing to declare the absolute truth to Elymas of where he was coming from, where he stood at that moment as a son of the devil, full of villainy, opposing the word of God. We need to speak the truth of the gospel to all men in opportunity and in opposition. In love, proclaiming Christ with boldness. Being prepared to confront sin with the gospel, just as the gospel once did that in our own lives, didn't it? As we speak the truth in love, we also then need to be approachable. Verse 9, but Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him. Saul, who was also called Paul. Saul, Paul, Paul, Saul, which one is it? Why the name change? Why did this happen? Many people like to refer back to this name change as something that happened uh, when Paul was born again. He, he changed his name. He became a totally different person. And yes, Paul was changed at that point of acceptance of Jesus Christ as his Savior. He was changed in his thinking. He was changed in, in the way he walked with God. But if this name change came as a result of his newfound faith in Christ, why didn't it change four chapters ago? As Scripture kept referring to him as Saul. Saul. Saul went here. Saul preached the gospel. Saul shared Christ. Saul was a great apologist. See, we find this name change as Paul walks into his ministry to the Gentiles, to the Gentile nations. Saul was his Hebrew name. 
Paul is the Greek version thereof. As, as Paul spoke and interacted more decidedly with Gentiles, he began to become known by his Gentile name. And what this shows us is, is that Paul didn't place cultural demands upon those he was trying to reach. As a Gentile came to him and said, Paul, explain this to me. He didn't say, no, 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 no. I am the Hebrew of Hebrews. My name is Saul. Get it right. No. He, he totally took on the name of Paul as we continue through the book of Acts, as he approaches the Gentiles with that truth of the gospel. He ate with them. He interacted with them. He even opposed Peter at one point for his hypocrisy in shunning the Gentiles in their food. Galatians chapter 2. But when Cephas, that's Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? Paul made it his goal to be as approachable as possible as he made the gospel salty, as he made the gospel as palatable as he could make it in its offensiveness to the world. Again, God's word should be the offense and not us. 1 Corinthians 9. For though I am free from all, this is Paul speaking, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew, in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though I myself not being under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings." He made himself approachable to those he was trying to interact with, those he was trying to share with, in order to be salt and light in this world, in order to reach someone with the truth of Christ. How are we doing in this? Is God's word still powerful? Don't worry, I won't do anything more than this. God's word is still God's word. Whether I'm wearing a long tie, a bow tie, a Hawaiian shirt, is still God's word. We can't let our culture define our faith. We can't let our personal preferences start working its way into God's word as if they should be the truth above God's word. Or if somehow... Our, our culture affects the, the, the absolute truth of it. No. 
God's word affects who we are. God's word affects this church. Are we busy culturally moralizing people? Waiting for somebody to stop wearing that hijab or that burqa before we approach them with the truth of the gospel or reach out to them? Are we waiting for people to lose the tats and the cigarettes or the backwards hat with the flat brim that bugs me so much? Are we waiting for them to lose that before we will accept them for who they are, where they are, and approach them with the gospel? Or are we ready to eat strange food? Are we ready to wear some clothes that are a little strange to us in order that we might sit down with somebody and bear witness to Jesus Christ? What are we ready to change here at Alden Union Church? I think sometimes we say we're more ready to change things than we actually are. What are we ready to change here at All in Union Church in order to reach the next generation? In order to reach the community around us? Our soil, that sphere of influence lives that we have. How far are we willing to go to become effective to other people's salvation? We've got it! We've got the truth. We've got eternal life. They need it. What are we willing to do to take it to them, to bring them in? Not to compromise God's word in any way, shape, or form. Are we willing to compromise our cultural preferences? Let's let Jesus moralize them when and where he sees fit. Let's let God's word work in their hearts. We have been sent to bear witness. That is the call upon us as the body of Christ. Bear witness of the truth of Jesus Christ. Not to moralize the unbeliever. God died for us, Jesus Christ, on the cross, in our place, while we were his enemies. Not when we got moralized to a certain point and then he felt it was fit. While we spat on him, beat him, and hung him on a cross, that's when he went there for us. Did Paul have a preference to his name? I don't know. But I can tell you that Paul allowed himself, though he was a Hebrew of Hebrews, circumcised on the eighth day, as to the law of Pharisee, he allowed himself to be called by a Gentile name so that he could reach Gentile people. We need to be those who speak the truth to all people, being approachable in order to have the opportunity to speak into their lives while our actions align with our words. As Paul and Barnabas proclaim that gospel, they also put the reality of the gospel on display for people to see. First, there was the sharing of the gospel truth with Sergius Paulus and Elymas. And, and then came the sharp rebuke to Elymas that, that said, this is the most significant message in history, and yes, we take it seriously. And then there was the blindness that, that Paul brought down upon Elymas that said, this is real. As what Paul did aligned perfectly with what he said about Jesus Christ. Now, we may not go around blinding those who oppose the gospel today, 
But, but people need to recognize the reality of the gospel in us and through us. How will they see the gospel? How will they hear the truth except through the church, through those who know? They need to see the truth of the gospel alive in us. Have you ever gone to a store on a Saturday? You have all those evil taste-testing people all around the store trying to fatten you up? I can tell you all day long how good something is, but if I can get you to smell it, you're going to go over to the table. If I can get you over to the table and give you a taste, you're going to taste it, and then you're going to say, this is delicious, and you're going to buy some. We need to be taste test people with your faith taking it out there for people to see and smell and taste and see that the lord is good that is what paul did here the gospel truth was confirmed by words and actions as he stood for jesus in spite of opposition as he had an answer for the humble and the proud as he brought the gospel to real life confirming it with the miraculous punishment upon Elymas. People need to see in us joy in spite of trials. That we are able and willing to talk about our relationship with Jesus Christ no matter what season of life we might be in. That our primary concern is not this life, but the eternal life that we have in Jesus Christ. They need to see impossibly reconciled relationships as we come back together because we share in Jesus Christ. They need to see selflessly loving acts and a faith that won't step down. They need to see us being amazingly different from the world around us, not looking like the world. They need to see a faith brought to reality. And they need to see that, that when I sing, you satisfy my soul, you're all that I need, O oh Lord. And then when that trial comes in my life, do I really mean that? Does he really still satisfy my soul? Whatever's going on? They need to see all this to confirm in their hearts the necessity of the gospel message in their own lives. That there is a God who loves them so wonderfully that he sent his only son into the world. That he would die in their place, pay the price for their sin, on the cross. They need to see this so they can know that salvation is in Christ alone. And we want them to know that salvation. It was because Paul and Barnabas brought the gospel to reality that the proconsul began to believe he accepted the truth of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 12. After Elymas was cursed and blinded, then the proconsul believed when he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching. Words and actions coming together. He saw it in Paul. He saw it in Barnabas. And he accepted the truth of Jesus Christ. Are we ready to be a people who bring the gospel message to the end of the earth, to people of every nation, tribe, and tongue, just as God designed the church to be? Speaking the truth, whether it's pretty or not. Because sometimes the most loving thing is to declare the truth for what it is. 
calling out sin for what it is in order to make room for the conviction of God's word? Are we ready to step outside of ourselves, my preferences, my ways, what I would like to see? Make ourselves approachable to those who need to hear the truth of Jesus Christ. Are we endeavoring in our lives to bring together God's message with our reality in a way that people can see it? And they can say, there's something different about you. What is it? Well, let me tell you. Are we a people whose actions match our words? Let's take it out there. Let's bring them in here. Bring them into the body so that we can all encourage and build one another up according to God's word. Let's pray. Father God, we praise you that your word calls and convicts, reminds us of who you are and what you've done for us in our lives. Lord God, we praise you, and we pray for strength, a strength that is not our own because we don't have it. We want it, though, Lord. Help us to be in that place of worship and desire for your will and your glory to be done in our lives through us, that this world would be reached with the absolute truth of Jesus Christ. Make us into a tool, an instrument for your message, to bear witness of what you've done. We pray all this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.